Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors, and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're going to talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing. And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm so happy you're here and that you get to hear this conversation. So if you've been around for a while on this podcast or anywhere in my world, you know I'm always talking about mindset. It's something that I talk about a lot. I teach it to other writers, and it's something I am constantly working on for myself because it doesn't always come easy for me, just being honest. Like I, I always have to trick myself into a positive mindset into doing the things that I know are going to ultimately make me happy, but that somehow I've gotten blocked on and I'm procrastinating. So mindset is something that is always, always top of mind for me. And I'm always looking for people who have mastered their mindsets. And my guest today is one of them. Stephanie Kanzian is a writer, an email marketer, and author of the book, Change the World in $10 or Less. She shares her life on Instagram to inspire others to go out and do the impossible every day. I love this. She left her corporate job and started her own freelance copywriting business and wrote her first book around the same time when she realized that all the traditional definitions of success felt wrong for her. And she returned to the things she had always loved. Guess what? Writing. Kind of a theme on this podcast, you think? But she's just a gem. The way she approaches her days, her writing, and her life in general is super inspiring. And she's got some really cool mindset hacks that I think you're going to love. So I love this talk. I hope you do too. Let's jump in. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I've been looking forward to this because you are like my idol as far as mindset goes. I love, I love talking about mindset and I love people who can do mindset well, because I need to force myself to do it every day. So, but we'll get into that. So first tell us about yourself and who you are and how you got started writing and what you're doing. 
Sure. So I, I've always been a writer. Um, one of my earliest just memories is being in second grade, like writing little stories just because they were fun. Um, and for some reason, I wanted to be a doctor. And when that didn't pan out, I kind of find <laughs> myself in marketing because it was working with people and it was storytelling. And I liked both of those things. So I, for a while, I was a marketer. I did. I was in IT. I did supplement marketing. I did a whole bunch of stuff. And finally, last year, I said, I'm just, I'm going to be a writer. This is what I've always wanted. This is what I have to do. Um and so I've been a freelance writer, copywriter for um, about nine months at this point, almost a year, and currently have a couple clients that are awesome. And it's just been, it, it has been definitely a mindset practice, but it has been so incredibly rewarding. And I released my own self-published book in 2022, and that was more just to see if I could do it because I'd always wanted to release a book and, you know, trying to sign on with an agent and a publisher just seemed really daunting. So I said, let me just see if I can do this myself. And I did. And I was like, oh, I can do this. And that was a big push towards getting me to just freelance writing all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I have to ask, did you get all the way to med school before you realized the doctor thing wasn't going to happen or was it way before that? <laughs> Fortunately, fortunately, in college, um, I was t I was my freshman year. I was taking nineteen credits my first oh, semester. Wow! And I kind of hit a wall. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> and and uh, got to this point, I was like, "What do I really want to do?" And it's like, it's not medicine. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. Helping people has always been just like in inside me. Um, but it's like, how can I help in a different way? Yeah. So that's why I said, okay, well, what am I good at? Well, I've always told stories. I love people. Let me, let me do marketing. And, mm. uh, and so a lot of people hear marketing and they're like, oh, ads, ooh, and you know that. And that's something that it's, you can do marketing in a way that's beneficial. You can do marketing in a way that helps people. And that's what I focus on. I yeah. don't use predatory marketing tactics or anything like that. I don't have a playbook. It's just like, What's your, what is your genuine, how are you genuinely helping people? Let us bring that to the world because somewhere out there, somebody needs it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so, it's so fun because so many guests that I have on, on here, every different kind of writer, every level of writer, most of them are like, yeah, I've always known since I was little, myself included, that I wanted to be a writer. But so many of us, you know, I just talked to, um, an author last week or two weeks ago, um, who just started releasing her first couple of children's books. And, you know, she said she knew from third grade that she wanted to be a writer, but yet she went and studied law. So why do we do these things? Why do we do these things for ourselves? Is it that narrative that we get that says you're never going to be able to do that for a living? Because it just seems so out of the realm of so many people's possibilities. It's a fascinating thing. And that's something that I asked myself a couple of years ago when I first realized that I was on the wrong path. It's, you know, why, you know, there's wrong, there's so many writers out there. Bookstores are filled with writers. The Kindle store is filled with writers. Anybody can be a writer at any time. So why do we have this narrative that, oh, you can't be a writer, you'll, you'll starve, you'll go broke, you know, yeah. nobody, no writer makes it to the big time. And it really is all in the narrative that is around us and that we begin to believe. 
And I think those two things have to be there. I saw a picture the other day. It was so pointed. I actually saved it. It's a picture of Stephen King standing next to Joe Hill and they're reading each other's books. Hmm. And I'm like thinking like, yeah, Joe Hill knew he could be a writer because he had Stephen King as a father. Like that's, that was the narrative he grew up with. So that of course makes sense for him. But so many of us, like maybe our parents weren't writers. Maybe they had to work all the time. They didn't have time for any kind of creative pursuits. And so we grew up with that narrative. And so we thought, oh, that's something I can do for fun. But that's not going to be my real job yeah. until we hit that point where it's like, no, this has to be my real job because I'm not built for anything else. Yeah. And I think the sooner we get that and we believe it, then we can start focusing on being better at what we do best and what we love to do. Agree a hundred thousand percent. So like you, I ended up doing marketing and communications and, you know, I was a reporter for a while before that and all the things that, that you could say, yes, she took her right love for writing and her degrees in writing and turned that into a career, but I never felt completely fulfilled until I started publishing my novels because that's always what I wanted to do. I always wanted to write fiction. Um, and so I think that also is an, an even harder narrative to overcome, right? Because on the one hand, people could say, oh, yeah, she's making money writing, but yet books, I don't know, right? So yeah, what you said about you have to believe it and you have to push through all of the things that you hear and that other people tell you is so true. But we talk, I talk about that all the time. And the big question is, how do you do that? So tell us how you do that. <laughs> it's... So there's a couple of different things. There's a couple of different kind of mindset tricks that I've used over the past few years to kind of get my mind going in the right direction. And not one of these things helps all the time, but cumulatively, um, more often than not, it gets me to where I need to be. And the first thing I did um, was recognize that writing has to have a place in my life. You know, I would go like months and months and months without writing anything. And then one night I would just, you know, write a whole big lot of stuff and feel so good and then not write again. And I realized I had to make writing part of my everyday life, whether it was journaling or something I had to do. So that's being honest with myself, looking myself in the mirror, realizing I need to do this. Um, I might not get anything out of it. I might never get published, but I have to do this because it makes me feel good. And then I tied that in to a physical exercise practice. Um, if you kind of look at my Instagram, I've been doing burpees for the past uh, three years at this point. Oh my and gosh, I hate off, burpees. I hate burpees. And, and so tell us how I, you did it. <laughs> I get that response every single time. Oh, I hate burpees. Why? Why do you hate them? And it's such like a, it's one of those exercises where everyone loves to hate them because they are hard. Like they're a full body workout, they're conditioning, they're cardio, they're, they're like people who do them are crazy, insane and whatever. (laughs) So, but when I started doing them, I was at such a low point in my life. Like nothing I was doing was making me proud of being me. And I had a full-time job. I was working in marketing. Like I was doing all the things that externally I was supposed to be doing, but nothing was making me feel proud of being me. Nothing was making me feel proud of my life. So I said, what can I do to make me feel proud of myself? And for some reason, I said, I want to be able to do burpees. Like, because I think I just read David Goggins' book 
And his whole thing, like, he just does a, a hundred burpees just because he feels like it. Like, man, that's such a badass thing. Like, I want to be able to do that. And so I said, I want to be able to do a hundred burpees. This was January, 2021. And I said, my husband said, well, how many can you do right now? I got down. I think I did five. And then I just died. Like, I was, just, I was <laughs> And so that's where it was my, that's where I started. It's like, I started with five and I wanted to be able to do a hundred by the end of the year. And so I just kept practicing, kept practicing, kept testing, kept practicing. I kept in my mind that every time I did these, I was making myself proud of being me because this was something hard. This was something that not everybody was doing. And by the end of the year, I had a hundred burpees. Awesome. And the next year I said, I want to be able to do a hundred burpees every day. Wow. So I started practicing that. And by the end of 2022, I was doing burpees every single day, hundred in the morning. Wow. And I, and it was, and it all built up to this point where I was doing something that was very difficult. And the more I did it, it got slightly easier. It never got easy. It just got slightly easier. And afterwards I always felt proud of myself. So this year I was like, okay, if I can do that with burpees, I can tie that into my writing practice because it is so hard to just sit down and write because you've got a hundred things on your to-do list and the house is on fire and your dog is yelling. And you know, there's so many things that are just demanding your attention, but you know that by just sitting down and writing, it's good for you. It's going to be good for your brain. You're going to feel proud of yourself. And it's that push-pull. Stephen Pressfield talks about that, the, sh mm. the, the shame of writing, be just sitting down for yourself and writing and getting over that. And I did that through burpees. I said, if I can do that with burpees, I can do that with writing. I can get over the hump of the hard fact of just sitting here and trying to put something on paper for like 15, 20 minutes in the morning. And if I have something, I can feel proud of myself. So tying a physical practice into that mindset practice helped me develop the mindset much faster the second time around than I did with the burpees. <laughs> I love that. And it's kind of also like um, James Clear's habit stacking method, right? Exactly I don't know if like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. James Clear, BJ Fogg, habit stacking, tiny hab, all of it. All yeah. of it. I've read it all and it all makes sense. Even if I sit down... And there was the one point when I was practicing the burpees, I got sick and I got sick and I got injured. And I thought, I, if I can just do one, then I'll count the day. Like mm -hmm. that counts. And so it's the same thing with writing. If I can just get 10 minutes, yep. where I write, even if it's 10 words, just 10 minutes, 10 words, I'll count that. That's the smallest possible nugget that will make me feel proud of it. And as long as I get that, I'm good. And Nine times out of 10, almost 10 times out of 10, I go longer than the 10 minutes. Because once you get there, if you're a writer, you know, once you get into that go and you just go. Yeah. And then suddenly you realize like time has passed. You've lost yourself. You feel amazing. Why don't I do this more often? It's that initial hump of just sitting down, blotting out the world and allowing yourself this time to be your truest self. Because it can be scary and it can be like you're not serving anybody but yourself, but you have to. You have to be proud of yourself in order for you to serve others. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was 
Stephen Pressfield, who I also love, or James Clear, it was one of them who said, um, be the person who, you know, identifies as like the person who writes one sentence a day, at least. I don't remember which one of them it was, something to that effect. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, even because I think sometimes I know this for me, it's taken me a long time to get over this idea that, you know, I need like eight dedicated hours to sit down or, I'm, or I should just, you know, bag the whole day and be like, well, can't write today, you know? No, write a freaking yeah. sentence. <laughs> Took me yeah. forever to like be okay with only doing a little bit. And it's, I th- and BJ Fogg talks about that. The minute you've, cr- you've done it, you've done the smallest possible quantity of the habit you want to create, you celebrate it. Yeah. You have some kind of celebration at the end. So it what you want to do it again. Yeah. And I, I do it with my burpees. I do it with my writing. As soon as I have written something, I'm like, Oh, that's great. Like, it could be complete gibberish that I have on the paper. I could have been scribbling so hard. I could barely mean, read my own writing, but I look at it as like, Oh, that's great. Like yeah. I got a page done. I got a sentence done. And that's my little celebration. No matter what I've written, it's great. Cause I wrote it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So how do you approach your writing business? Like, do you look at your personal writing as different than your writing business? How do you kind of get into the mindset of both? Because I'm also, you know, in the process of starting up my own business that is related to writing. It's related to courses and, you know, memberships and teaching other writers. And a lot of it is mindset related as well as actual writing related. But that in itself, that's a whole other conversation aside from just the writing, right? So how do you, (laughs) how do you get in that mindset? So again, it's a, it's a whole kind of a lot of tricks. All of them cumulatively work. There's no one trick that works 100% of the time. I've learned about myself that my personal writing has to come very like early in the morning, right when I wake up, because I'm still in my own head. Like I've woken up, I'm, I, you know, the house is still asleep. Everything's fine. I'm in my own head. As long as I do not pick up my phone, and allow the outside world to enter in, I can sit down and write my person. I'm writing a, I'm in the middle of two projects right now. I'm writing a, 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 fi- a fiction novel and I'm writing a little poetry chat book. So um, I can sit down, I can write, you know, whatever I'm feeling that morning. If I'm inspired by, for the poetry, if I'm inspired for the fiction, I can sit down and I can write it before I let the outside world into my little headspace bubble. When I'm working with clients and client work, I actually do that after I exercise. Because when I exercise, that kicks my brain into high gear and able to generate ideas and copy and phrasing and marketing ads and all this stuff to serve my clients better. So before I exercise, that's kind of like my reset button is my exercise. And I usually do burpees to flip the switch because I don't like going to a gym I don't want people seeing me sweat. I just want to be able to go on the floor, do my thing, not buy any toys and just get it done. So keep it simple. (laughs) So usually in the morning, first thing I'll wake up, I'll have water, I'll sit down, write my own little thing, whatever it is. And then I'll get up, have coffee, get my exercise in. By the time I'm showered and done with my exercise, then my mind's clicking like, oh, I can do this for this client. Oh, I can do this for this client. And I'm ready to go. Hmm. So the exercise is my reset button in this. And then later on, because as a freelancer, you always are looking for another client. You're always looking for your next you know, business opportunity. So in the afternoon, 
that's when I hit another reset where I want to calm my brain down and I want it to be able to receive opportunity. So I'll usually take a nap. I'm not even joking, like a 21 minute nap. I'll have a cup of coffee, take a nap, wake up, sit down, like, all right, I'm ready to receive the opportunities that are coming to me. And it sounds super woo woo. It really does. But I've had the best luck that way. So none of these things work 100% of the time, but cumulatively often, they work more often than not. <laughs> okay. Well, just for the record, we on this podcast love the woo-woo. So you're okay. singing my song. Yeah. No, Excellent. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's just, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working a lot on that type of mindset too. Like just, it's so easy to get into negative thinking and, you know, oh my God, what if no one buys my course? What if no one, you know, fill in the blank, no one buys my book. It's, it's, it's wild. The things we can tell ourselves and then fall into that spiral of like darkness. I put out my first book with absolutely no plans other than the fact that I wanted to put out a book. And at the end of the year, I used like Ingram or whatever to print it. At the end of the year, they sent me a little thing like, here's how many books of copies of the books you bought. And I looked and it's like all these people bought my book that I didn't know about. They just like ordered it. I was like, wow, people went out and actually read my book. That's amazing. So when I get to that point where I'm like, oh my goodness, what if nobody, you know, what if I send out this pitch email and nobody responds? Or what if I, you know, write this uh, job posting and nobody responds? You know, I think to myself, you know what? I didn't anticipate anybody was going to buy my book and people surprised me. People are going to continue to surprise me in good ways. And I just let it happen. (laughs) As long as I'm showing up at my best, that's it. Yeah. And to get even more woo-woo, like, I I really believe that it's the energy and the vibration that that we are putting out that's bringing us the things that we're getting, right? And that's something that I also have to, like, always remind myself of. Like, no, if you're going to be cranky and pissy, (laughs) like, you're not going to get anything good today. (laughs) So let's get it together. (laughs) I... I have a mentor, um, and I fully recommend getting a mentor, um, especially when you're you're in that point where you're just like, you feel kind of overwhelmed. A mentor really helps. I have a mentor who says, your frequency is what you frequently see. Mm. So if you're constantly seeing good stuff all around you, that you're going to have a high vibration. But if you're inundated with all this absolute negativity, it's going to lower your vibration. So that's why I say when I wake up, I don't touch my phone. If I don't touch my phone, I will have a great writing morning because inevitably when the world seeps in, it's going to bring a little bit of negativity with it. And if I want my vibration high, I want whatever the story is inside me to come out. I need that to be clear. I need a clear runway for that. Mm-hmm. So but then once I'm out in the world, I, I've exercised, I've eaten right, had my water, all that good stuff. It's like, I'm already high vibration. I'm going to send that out to the world. My clients are going to be so awesomely proud of the work that I'm putting out for them. And I can't help but get it back. Yeah. Hi, this is Julian, the producer for the Get Writing Podcast. Zencaster is an extremely important part of our workflow on this show. Podcasting has you working with a wide range of people who all have different computer and office setups, different levels of comfort with technology, and different levels of time and patience. Zencaster takes this big logistical headache and makes it utterly trivial. No more grappling with recording software, waiting for files to be delivered, losing files, none of that. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. 
Record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you've ever thought about podcasting and thought that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform. You can create your show all in one place and then distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code writing and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So it's just, it's all mindset. It's all just managing distractions in a way that's comfortable because you don't want to be so completely out of touch that you have no idea what's going on. But you also don't want to get back into the doom scrolling phase. No one wants to go back to doom scrolling. <laughs> no, no. You have to protect your mental health. Absolutely. You really do. So how do you feel about journaling? Do you journal? Every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. I actually, I have so many journals stacked to the side because they all have a different focus. I journal about, and when I journal, I do this thing. I don't know if anybody else does it. But I think of my morning self and my evening self reading the same page. So I speak in we. Hmm. This is what we did today. So when I'm journaling journaling in the morning, I said, here's what we're planning for today. This, 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 this. And in the evening, it's like, here's what we accomplished today. What did we learn today? Who did we pitch to today? Because I think of myself, I'm going to be reading this again at some point in time. So I want to make sure that I know and I'm conscious of the fact that I'm going to be coming back here. And I want to address myself with respect and with love. So I journal in the we. I love that. That's very cool. I've never heard that before. I like that. I like that. (laughs) It's something I I started doing very recently and I really like it because it's, it's keeping yourself in the present, but also thinking forward. Yeah. I also like your, um, reset button idea. So I've heard, I've heard this said differently, but, um, so Ed Milet, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he has a podcast. Uh, he's an author, but he talks about how there's, um, like four, I think he says four different days. Like he lives four different days in one day. So, or like, so six hours from, you know, when he, from six to noon, he does X then from noon to six, he does X and right. And there's different, uh, ideas and different focuses for, for those different bouts of time. And he's like, I'm living four days in one day. And, you know, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Um, is that, do you find that easy to do? Do you find it a lot of work to reset and to, to kind of get, to get into a new mindset for whatever's next? It's, it's a practice. All of it's a practice. And I initially read about that. That sounds very familiar. I think it's because Stephen Kotler talked about this in his book, The Art of Impossible. Mm-hmm. And it's about the different flow states and how you can get into flow through these four different flow states. And flow is ultimately the optimal point where you are so involved in this work, you lose track of time, you lose track of yourself. Like it, you and the work are one. That is the when you get into writing a really good, juicy part, you know, where the words just fly out of you, that is flow. But you can't be there all the time. That's not how our brain works. So Stephen Kotler kind of goes into how to biohack your own body, your own mind to kind of get yourself into flow state. And it goes in those four phases where you have a phase where your brain has to kind of wake up 
and then it has to be able to percolate a little bit, and then you work on the thing that needs to be worked on, and then it needs to rest again, and it keeps going into through the cycle. And I think that's kind of the same thing. So when I wake up in the morning, I have my little, my personal time where the world is out there and I'm in here, and that's like the day. And then I work out, and that's a reset button where now I'm serving my clients. And then I have a coffee and a nap and I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to receive the new opportunities that are coming to me. And then dinner time. And I'm like, okay, now I'm with my family. Mm-hmm. And it's like those four things. And it just cycles through. So I guess in a way you can say I live four days at once, but I, it doesn't feel like a day when it's happening. Yeah. It feels like when I'm in the, like when everything is going very well, every, it feels like, the day just flies by. And when things are not going so well, even then it's like, I know at this time I'm going to be doing this. I just have to get to this point. And then it's like goalposts. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's like, ah, I've made it. I can sleep. I can go to bed and tomorrow is going to be even better. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's good though. What do you do when your day is just not going the way you want it to, despite the fact that you've done your usual practices and... Yeah, there are days, uh, despite everything, like I, I'm not feeling great. I'm tired. The weather's bad. Like, you know, I got bad news, something like that. Something that brings me down. I actually have a list of like 12 different low energy activities that I can do to bring myself up. And it's, it's silly stuff. It's things like fold laundry. It's things like dust, um, make a beaded bracelet, like something small that's not eating because I'm a bit of an emotional eater when I get stressed out, anxious, but like my mom used to say, nudgy, I'll go to the kitchen and I'll start snacking. And I don't want to do that because that's not helpful. So I have a list of like 12 different things I can do at any time where if I'm feeling like not at my greatest, I can do one of those things. And then if like, not even if I can complete the list, but after like three or four of them, I start to feel a little bit better. It's like, all right, let me get a small workout in. Let me see if I can really get myself amped up. And usually by that point, I feel pretty good. I can ride that for a little bit. And then if just the weather's terrible and I start to come back down again, it's like, all right, well, let's hit the reset button. Let's take a nap. We'll wake up. We'll go back to the list. We'll try again. It's just not stopping not settling into a sadness, not settling into a feeling, not calling the day a wash at 11 a.m. because you didn't get your to-do list done. It's constantly like, let's try again. Let's try again. You know, this time we'll try again. And you just keep doing that. And then by the end of the day, you're like, well, I got all these things done. It might not have been what I wanted to do, but it wasn't a waste. Hmm. I can go to sleep and tomorrow I'll be better. Yeah. So there's an element to this too, of being kind to yourself, which is also something that I have had to work on quite a bit because I, you know, I come from a household that was very driven and, you know, oh my God, if you sat on the couch during the day, like what's wrong with you kind of thing, right? Like get up and do something, be productive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, you know, I'm, I just turned 49 years old and I'm still trying to get that voice out of my head of like, do not sit on the couch in the middle of the day. (laughs) So so how do you, do you come from that or was that not a problem of yours? And how do you like, how did you reset that? So that, that was another mentor of mine who actually had a really phenomenal idea. And 
I, I suffer from imposter syndrome. I suffered from perfectionism. I suffered from always having to do, 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 because I did come from a family that wanted us to be very driven. And she told me that that voice in my head that's telling me to do these things is in the wrong department. That that voice should not be in human resources, that it should be in editorial. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and as soon as I, it's like I gave it a name, like its name is Phil. And when Phil comes to my ear and says, why are you sitting on the couch? You know, you still got 20 minutes until it's two o'clock. What's he doing? I'm like, Phil, we need to sit down for a second. I'm going to call with you in 20 minutes. We're going to take a look at this news article that we have to get out today. And then you can speak up. <laughs> so then you can tell me what can be fixed. <laughs> Because when I let Phil read my writing and let my let my editing side out, Phil does a phenomenal job. Like this could be worded better. This can be worded better. You could be phrasing this better. This can go here. So Phil's just in the wrong department. Now he has to move over. He can't be in human resources. He's got to be in editorial. Hmm. Do you ever try to fight and Phil? Again, I don't try to fight Phil because Phil's a part of me. Hmm. Phil is somewhere inside me. And denial of Phil is denial of part of myself. And that's not good. Yeah. Is you have to be a complete person. So I can just put them in another in another team. Yeah, re- reallocate. <laughs> reallocate the budget. <laughs> reallocate the budget. Reallocate the voices. You know, whatever is coming up. You know, the inner demons, you know, they can't be in HR either. They gotta go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, it's so I don't try to ignore it because that doesn't work either. It's just a matter of knowing how I work best. And knowing that I'm not stopping, I'm just, I need a pause. And I'll call Phil in in 20 minutes and then he can get to work making my writing better. Because that's what he's really good at. He just wants me to be better. Yep. So what about goals? Like, how do you handle goals while balancing mindset? Because again, I think it comes from that same place of being super driven. You set sometimes really outrageous goals for yourself. I do. Um, And then Mm -hmm. I, you know, beat myself up for not completing them in, you know, the time that I decide that they should be completed in, which could be completely like random. So so how do you do that? (laughs) So has beating yourself up ever helped you accomplish a goal? No. No, never. So that's that's a wasted action. Don't do it. Like that's not that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so with goal setting, I have a goal and it's one of those things where if I hit the goal, it's a success. If I don't hit the goal, it's a learning experience, which is a success in its own right. And with the last year from the um, from twenty twenty three into now, I've ha- I had a lot of goals that I did not hit. Um, certain client, you know, certain amount of clients I wanted to have, certain amount of money I wanted to have. I had a lot of goals that I did not hit because I never really freelanced before. And I didn't know how this was going to work out. But was I able to learn? And it's like, yes, I keep learning, I keep iterating. So those are small successes while I'm striving towards the goal. And is it a bummer when you don't hit your goal? Yes. Um, I did not hit my NaNoWriMo goal at all. Like I didn't even come to the halfway mark. But I learned a lot about my writing process during that month. And that's how I was able to come up with the first thing in the morning, don't touch the phone. That's when your prime writing time is. Because I learned that over the course of November. So that was a learning experience. And at some point, they always say you have to learn to love the journey. 
you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And it's this fine line between learning to love the process and loving learning. And then your brain starts making learning the goal. And you have to remind it every once in a while, like, no, 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 the goal's up here. We're learning, we're moving forward, but that we're not at the goal yet. We're just learning so we can get there. We have to keep moving. And that was something that I kind of reset for myself. I use that word a lot, reset, because that is a lot of mindset. You have to kind of click the button in your brain to get it moving in the right direction. But that was something I set for myself this year was being very intentional with every thing I did because I spent a lot of last year learning about the freelance copywriting business, the freelance writing business and experimenting and iterating and talking to people. And now I've learned a lot. It's like, all right, we've learned. We love the process. We no longer feel fear a rejection letter. We no longer fear getting ghosted. We've gotten past all that, but now we have to remind ourselves. We have to remember the goal is this and still a ways away. So let's keep moving forward. Yeah. One of the mentors that I follow, um, Amy Porterfield. So I've been following her for digital courses for a long time. She's amazing. But she um, put something out at the beginning of the year about how one of the things that she was doing this year was learning to love what it takes to get what she really wants. And I had to adopt that because I loved it so much because it's like, it, it's kind of it's saying the same thing, right? It's giving up that struggle of like, oh my God, I don't have what I want yet. Or, oh my God, this is so hard to, all right, I want something. So let's go after it and let's love the process that it takes to get there. I think that's just a really cool way of think of, you know, changing how you think about something. Yep. Absolutely. I was thinking about this this morning because I actually have a, I, I have a newsletter I'm writing for a client who runs a dance studio. And the topic this week is going to be the curse of the girls who get it right the first time mm. because they haven't had to work for it. Yep. And then when they hit something that they actually have to struggle for, they're not going to have that background of grit and determination that it takes to kind of learn a move because everything has always come so easily. Yeah. So that's actually going to be an upcoming newsletter of mine, like this week. I love that. I <laughs> for love my client, for a client. Yeah. But um, but this is like the whole idea generation thing. I got that idea right after I worked out. I was like, oh, I'm writing that down. That's a good one. That so, is and a now good I've one. shared it with you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we should we should do a joint newsletter on that about writing and how you know if you sell your first article or your first book right off the bat, you got to still be prepared that it might not always go that smoothly going down the road. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I didn't anticipate that anybody would buy my book, and the fact that people did, I was like, oh, that's a success. Yeah. Okay. Now the second thing I'm writing, well, what if nobody likes it? What if it's not what the people want? Blah, 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 blah. And I have to keep coming back. It's like, no, this is a story I want to tell. The first book I wrote, I wrote entirely for me and people bought it. So let me write the second book because I know it's a story I want to tell. And maybe people will buy it. Maybe they won't. But either way, I need to tell it. Yeah. So for sure. it's coming back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to go back to the goal conversation for a minute, I, I yes. love that you brought up Nano because um, I have to ask: Was your goal to just get to not just, but just, was your goal to get to the fifty thousand words? My goal was to finish the first draft of my of my novel I'm writing, which is about fifty thousand words. I actually 
did everything completely differently this year. I, I'm normally a pantser. I kind of write as I go. This year, I planned everything out, chapters broken out, summary chapters broken out. I did my story arc. I did all the legwork before NANO, where literally all I had to do was sit down and write it. Wow. And that is where I would get hung up because it was like world would come in. I tried different times. I tried different methods. I tried all these different things. And I think I wound up getting like 16,000 words, something like that. And so it was like, okay, I got more words than I had before, but I'm also disappointed I didn't hit my goal. What did we learn? There's that after. What did we learn from this whole experience? Well, I learned that I have to work at this early in the morning. This is really my only time before I let the world in. Yep. I can't, I can't negotiate with myself that I'll get it done at night because it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's interesting because I had, so I have a membership for writers and um, a number of people in my membership were doing nano for the first time. And so we had a whole session before nano about how, you know, don't get hung up on the 50,000 word goal and just create your own goal for what you want to accomplish. Um, because some people were in different stages, you know, like, like I did nano, but I was in a totally different stage. I was like nearing the end of a book. So a lot of my process was editing and adding scenes and, you know, I couldn't keep track of what I was deleting, what I was writing, you know, it was just a whole mess. My goal was to just finish a book. Um, and then I had members who were trying to, you know, write their first book and, you know, some of them just set different goals for themselves. Like I'm probably not going to get to 50, but if I get to 25, awesome. Right. So trying to normalize that, like we don't have to just follow what someone says a goal should be to, to mm -hmm. consider ourselves successful. I think that's also an important part of mindset too. At 100%. Like I said, when I first started this uh, from the outside, I had everything going right. I had house, I had job, I had everything going right. And I was so unhappy yeah. with everything that even though society was telling me that I was on the right track and I was doing good things, I didn't feel it. And I needed to do something drastic to get myself out of that. So I think it's the same thing. Yes, NaNoWriMo is like, yeah, 50,000 words. But if you hit 50,000 words, you're just like, I feel awful. Like, then that's not the real goal. What is your, your real goal that's going to make you proud? For so, sure. And I think that's the, that is the key. What is going to make you proud of being you? Yeah. I love that. We're actually going to do another nano challenge in February. So, um, yeah, just, oh, that's fun. To, yeah, just, we decided to do a few different ones throughout the year just to keep the momentum going and keep people writing and whatever the goal is, the I goal is, that. but yeah, if you want to join us, let me know. Absolutely. I would love that. Cool. So, all right. So one more question. So what would you say to somebody who is trying to, you know, get their writing practice off the ground, but who's also, you know, working full-time somewhere else and has responsibilities and a family and, you know, young kids and all of the things, right? And, mm -hmm. and they try really hard to keep their writing going, but then, you know, things just get in the way and then they get discouraged. What would, what's your mindset hack for people who are experiencing that? Oh, that's really a tough one. And I've actually worked with people who've had this and we've tried a lot of things, blocking out times where, you know, seeing where you could, you know, offload some of your responsibilities to somebody else. And ultimately where it lies is giving yourself the permission to do what you need to do to make you feel proud. And 
when I first started doing the burpees, I tried to do them in the morning, but there would be days where I'd have to do them in the afternoon or evening. And when I did, I didn't feel as good about them, but I felt good that I got it done. And giving myself permission to not be perfect all the time, as long as the smallest part of that got done where I could be proud of myself, that's what mattered. And it doesn't feel like you're really moving at the beginning. It doesn't feel like you're making any progress until you start seeing the numbers add up and until you start realizing that you have gotten into a habit of doing this thing. And you keep iterating the habit. You keep growing it. You keep making it you know, more important in your life. But you have to start with giving yourself permission. You decide you're going to do the thing and then give yourself the permission to not be perfect at it. Hmm. Doesn't matter if it's a thousand words a day, a hundred words a day, one word a day. That you sit down, you showed up, and you did the thing. And that's all you need. And you just do that. Love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your book and everything that you do. I am most active on Instagram. So I typically post my daily whatever's there. Um, you could also find me on my website, um, although that isn't updated as frequently because I'm typically more invested in my client work than my own website, which is a, something I'm going to fix eventually. No, <laughs> we can always do it better. That's a, that's a curse for marketers, right? <laughs> I was talking to, to someone about this the other day. Like, We can always do it better for everyone else that we can do it for ourselves. It's yeah, just crazy. It's almost like you have to see yourself as your own client. And that's such a, I have not tackled that mindset yet. I'll get there eventually, but I don't have it yet. <laughs> there you go, goals. <laughs> goals, exactly. Uh, but I'm most active on Instagram. I'm on there pretty actively. You can direct message me. I'm open for comments. You know, all of that good stuff. That's the best place to find me. Awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a really wonderful conversation. Wow, right? So I took so many things away from that episode, but the biggest thing is, am I doing something to make myself proud today? I mean, come on, guys. That's everything. If we can just ask ourselves that in the morning before we figure out what we're going to work on and at night before we go to bed, I think it's going to change everything. And my other takeaway is it's cool to take a nap. I am all in on the naps. I don't know about you. I'd love to hear what your takeaway is from this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know or head over to kateconti.com and send me a message through my website. And if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed it, I would be forever grateful. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.